3: Hi everybody, the George Wilder. Hi everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air.
1: Freedom. This is what I call freedom. We're- I let the children fly.
3: Internet radio show making a world a better place one show at a time. The George Wilder Junior Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right. Okay. Thanks. All right. Welcome to the George Wilder Junior show. Okay, welcome to the George Wilder Junior Show. We have had a long Labor Day, folks. I hope you've had a great Labor Day. I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the kids are, uh, some are not so happy about going back to school because for them, summer is over, you know. And a lot of parents are just elated that, that the kids are back in school, at least in some areas of the country in Chicago, including Chicago. And a lot of kids have all, have been in school from since um after some of vacation since August, actually. But um, then there's some that's, um, you know, first day of school is uh, the, the day after Labor Day. And uh, some are glad, some are happy about being back, some are not, you know. And uh, I, think <laughs> I think it works for all of us parents who are wanting to see our kids back in school and uh, do some creative things that's going to follow them for the rest of their lives. So welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, We've been off for a while. Yeah, we've been celebrating the holiday. A lot of people don't celebrate. That's their preference. That's their prerogative. I have nothing against them because of that. But we are going to have a good time anytime I want. (laughs) Anytime I want to have a good time, I'm going to have a good time. That's one of the things. I don't do. The George Wilder Jr. Show don't do. Just because other people don't celebrate or refuse to celebrate or or whatever, uh, that's not going to stop the George Wilder Jr. Show from celebrating and having lots of fun and coming back on the next day and telling you all about it. You know, uh, yeah, there's quite a few people out here who don't celebrate, who will not celebrate for whatever reasons. That's good for them, but don't force your ideology on me because it's not going to work. Okay, I like to have fun. I like to be around people. I like to chat and talk and hold conversations and have a great time. Eating barbecue and all that old rotten food, that's me. It's good. It's fun. And I just enjoy it. And I hope you guys have enjoyed it too. I mean, people are out barbecuing and having a great time enjoying themselves enjoying each other and and family friends and stuff like that and uh, it was beautiful now labor day is over and it's back to work back to work for some people all right welcome to the george wilder junior show my guest is on the marquee it says jennifer ellis uh she's going to be talking about life enrichment if that happens You know, if it happens, because we have Trump as president, right? Uh, The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Hate has no home here. My guest is Jennifer Ellis once again. Hmm. Those who value people over profits will profit from those people. Making a better place. One show at a time the George Wilder Junior show is now on the air there's this is no place for hate I mean I, I mean if you got if you have hate in your heart no matter how much or how little it's it is just not welcome on your show find another show to listen to find something else to do um this is not a, uh, a your show do not call in uh I don't want to hear it because i do have what they call a cutoff button. Uh, there's no hate allowed on the show. None whatsoever. Not on my show. Not on this show. I mean, you can go get your own show and have as much hate as you want on your show because it's out there. <laughs> it's totally out there. So you be in good company, but not on the George Wilder Jr. show. We're about making the world a better place. Not about destroying it all righty welcome to the george wilder jr show all right what's happening what is happening is um uh, trump has ended or will end uh, daca the program that protects uh, children of illegal immigrants who brought them to the united states and i have to agree i i think this is a wrong-headed program but we have a wrong-headed president. <laughs> so, you know, and he's all about making all kinds of news and waves and, and because he loves the attention, whether it's negative or positive, Trump loves the attention, you know. And uh, so he's ended DACA, this program uh, for uh, uh, undocumented immigrants who have signed up for this program. Most of them are kids. Uh, brought here against their will, brought here, brought here illegally by their parents. They've known they've no other country but the United States. They were brought here when they were babies or small, small children, toddlers, by their parents who came here illegally, if I said that correctly. And now, uh, oh, I think the program was actually initiated under President Obama in 2012 because there were so many of them here, and they were in the shadows. Uh, This DACA program brought them out of the shadows, but now they're going to have to go back into them. I'm pretty sure right now they're starting because this is going to affect nearly 800,000 of what they call these people that they call dreamers. Uh, Now, actually, Trump has uh, has kicked the can down the road to uh, Congress and said that if Congress wants to save this, they can but you know <laughs> when is the last time you know congress to do anything mitch mcconnell and paul ryan they're for this they're not going to do anything they they're for this this is what they want and this is what trump has promised during his campaign that he was going to get rid of of these dreamers so-called dreamers these kids who are they're in school they've done nothing wrong um uh, Now you got some dreamers here there who are also adults. Uh, They probably will be leaving immediately, you know, because they're adults. But uh, you know, it's it's this is it's. We can only wait to see what's going to happen next. But anyway, these people know that they're going to be thrown out of the country. They're going to be deported uh, in six months. I'm hearing March something, March 5th or something or other. If Congress doesn't act, if Congress Fail to uh, come up with something to save the program, um, the executive order that uh, Obama issued in 2012. Uh, these they're going to be out of here, and I think it's totally unfair because they, they they know nothing else but America. They've been here practically all their lives, and like Obama said, they came to this country. They didn't do anything wrong, and it would be wrong. To deport them, it would be cruel. But hey, wow, that's what the Republicans are, cruel. And they just do something like this and they just walk on and they figure out what next they can do to uh, destroy the country. But people, I'm going to tell you something. You got to vote. I mean, we got to get these people out. You give, you give uh, Donald Trump a, a Democratic uh, Congress, he will be impeached he will be impeached. You give him a Democratic Congress, he will be impeached. Right now, the Republicans control everything. That's the reason why Donald Trump is still there. And a lot of people are saying, well, Robert Mueller is still, uh, uh, the the investigations into Russia is still alive and well. But when will the hell uh, they complete this investigation? We want to know so we can get this man out of here, out of the office, out of Washington, period you know, before he takes another vacation at the expense of we, the taxpayers. And it's it's a mess, folks. This is a mess. And, uh, uh, yeah, these people, uh, now we're having, if I can, my mouth is twisted, okay? <laughs> now we're having rallies all over the country, in every city, in every town where dreamers are uh, benefiting from, um uh, being in america going to school social programs and all this kind of thing and you have uh, mayors and governors who are somewhat on the side of the dreamers and saying hey they're here through no fault of their own why punish them this is america is the only country that they know of but the republicans don't give a f they just don't care they don't care and trump is saying well i, I i'm going to give you six months uh Congress to do something, or they will be deported. Congress ran by the Republicans, controlled by the Republicans, they're not gonna do anything because they are for it. They like it. So, and Trump knows this, but Trump is trying to say, well, if they get deported, then it's the fault of Congress. And that's the fault of Donald Trump, because he, uh, he did this, nobody else. At any rate, Donald Trump could have, and some people think he should have, ended the program immediately, not six months from now, but immediately, because when you do an executive order, it, it can be dismantled just by erasing it off the books. So he could have done it immediately, and they would have started being they would they would have started getting deported immediately. But he did something uh, unusual by giving it six months and saying, hey, Congress, you you want to save it? Then you save it. But as I've just said, Congress is filled with Republicans. And a lot of these Republicans, they want this. And a lot of them out there, a lot of Republicans are out there right now on the cable circuit saying they should go, saying, they they should go they should get off the american uh, taxpayer dole get off welfare get off food stamps rental assistance they should go and they have no bones about saying it they should all get out this is what the republicans are saying right now on cable television on these on these um uh, talk shows that they can get out right now leave you know they're all for it the republicans so it's going to happen. There's this program, this this thing what Donald Trump just initiated, will not go away. I mean, it's not going to it's not going to be saved by the Republicans. You can forget it. I mean, you may have one or two Republicans, uh, you know, who may have some sympathy sympathy for the program and would want to keep it, like Lindsey Graham, which I don't believe too. I don't believe anything that comes out of Lindsey Graham's mouth. Even if he looks like he's telling the truth, because once these people are away from the camera they're they could be thinking something entirely different. You know, so this is bad. This is bad for America. This is bad for Mexico. I mean, these people going if they go back to Mexico, Mexico, there's nothing there for them. They don't want to go back to Mexico. And and I've always wondered why illegals don't want to go back to their own country. Instead of trying to fix America, fix Mexico, fix your own country. Americans, (laughs) we've got to fix ours, too. We got this idiot in in control. You know, but I'm not saying kick them out. I'm just saying, you know, uh, I don't think they should be kicked out. Uh, They were brought here by their parents through no fault of their own. I think they should. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. show on Blog Talk Radio, folks. Glad to be back after a long weekend. I've enjoyed it. I hope you have too. Let's see what we have. Whoa. All right, let's see what we have here. You're on the George Wilder Jr. show. Go right ahead. You're on bing 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 you're off okay <laughs> all right some people i guess are shy i guess <laughs> being on the george Wilder junior show uh it is great folks it is super great uh to be back on the show i'm 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 totally ecstatic you know because once uh, when I'm, I'm off for so long and i i have to uh try to uh, regroup anyway It'll, it it doesn't take too much to regroup for the show. Okay. Nearly 800,000 dreamers will be affected by this. You know, I, I know some people out there are saying, well, they should get out, you know, but, uh, think about it. Think about it. They're kids. They're in school. They're trying to make something of them America. I don't think that's a black eye on America. I think that's a positive for America. And, you know, I, I just don't think it's right. Think it's right, but anyway, that's just me. The DACA program dismantled. Clock is ticking. Six months. It's up to Congress, and as I've just got through saying, Congress, <laughs> Congress is not going to do a damn thing, you know. And uh, this is an executive order that Obama created back in 2012, folks. So DACA is ending. Uh, I don't think the Republicans are going to save it. It's not going to happen. Uh, it's it's wishful thinking, because you, you've you got the uh, Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. You've got the Senate uh, leader, Mitch McConnell. And I read somewhere, uh, I'm quoting Mitch McConnell here, that he thinks it's a good thing. So it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, but it is, you know, I think appalling for some of these young people to have to go back to a country, their country, that they know nothing about. Um, But it looks like it's gonna happen.
4: commentator Anna Navarro, and Matt Schlapp, chairman of the American Conservative Union. Matt, what do you do about this? Nobody likes to see these types of numbers, Chris, but I think it's important
2: we're at a point in politics where, yeah, I I didn't get a copy of this poll, so I haven't read it thoroughly, but if you look at the numbers of Congress, they're abysmal. If you look at the fact that we just had six Republican senators switch their vote on Obamacare approval, um, there's there's great concern out there amongst democrats and republicans you have a lot of democrats who are looking at this strategy of hashtag resistance and they know that's not a good strategy but if you're the president and you're looking at these numbers you know that you've got to steady the ship on these messages that come out of the white house and you have to make sure that you're pushing back on false stories about what their agenda is and number one you've got to get accomplishments through congress you gotta repeal obamacare you've got to get a big tax package
4: done. So how does the president lift his own credibility by uh, attacking the others, uh, the credibility of others, Anna?
5: I don't think it's about attacking the credibility of others. I think it, it, the solution is very simple. Start telling the truth. Start telling the American people the truth taking your job seriously stop making things up stop exaggerating stop outright lying and then repeating it over and over and over again and i think the people around him instead of justifying it instead of spinning it instead of defending it need to tell him you are no longer the uh, the, the host of the apprentice you're not a used car salesman you are the president of the united states and the american people deserve to have to believe you at some point you, you know look Matt worked at the Bush White House. He was there during, nine, you know, we had 9-11, we had Katrina. In this country of 300-plus million people of 50 states, at some point we're going to have a grave natural or man-made disaster. We need to believe our president when he stands behind that podium and speaks to us. And today Donald Trump has no credibility because he's been president for 200 days and he has lied practically every single one of those days.
4: Matt Schlapp, do you think the president can change?
2: Oh, I disagree with this whole premise uh, that he's not uh, truthful. I disagree with what Anna said there. I actually think we have a very polarized country. We are divided on almost every major issue. And there are people that really despise Donald Trump, that they hate him. And there are big sections of this country that are rooting for him. Let me tell you about the people who are rooting for him, Chris. They don't like everything about him. And they don't like politicians generally. And they don't like it when uh, things don't get done in Congress. And the president's going to you know, bear some of the responsibility for that. But the part of Trump, uh, of President Trump, that great sections of this country do like is that he is authentic. He does tell you what he thinks. He doesn't, he doesn't put a fine polish on everything. He says it very bluntly. And but how do you, you square like that fight? with
4: three out of four people thinking he's lying?
2: Well, Chris, like I said, I haven't delved into your poll. I, all I will tell you is you've got to take some responsibility responsibility all of us do on the coverage of this when you call the president a liar or other people do for two hundred days which i think even even on climate change to hear the coverage to say that people like me who are skeptics over the idea that man is causing the globe to put itself in a position where it's so warm that uh, human life will not be able to be sustained. I'm a skeptic of that. I'm not a liar on You're that. You're also issue. not a scientist. I'm a skeptic.
4: And when you have 13 so agencies and scientists from no. the government saying something and they're worried Chris, about being suppressed, it's a credibility Chris, issue. I want you and that's to why know three that out of four wrong. people say they don't trust the it's, White it, House. It,
2: it's wrong for people in the media to say that on issues of abortion, on climate change, on the on of on How the, on is the abortion size and, and climate change the same thing, Matt? It's about science. And guess what? You're wrong on the science. Many of you who, uh, who believe that people on the pro-life side aren't looking at the science of it. Come on, the science on, is on my side on the unique It's not about human science. It's about ethics, religion, child. and morality no, is what, what abortion it is, is is about. It's not pl- about science. There's a political difference. In, just because someone's on the other side, please don't call them a liar. How I can't who's not call, helping look, the country. It, it this is, hold on what, a second, Anna. Hold on something. a second.
4: Because I get a lot of this. You like to throw a label on something you don't like. I get it. Politically persuasive. But it's also BS a lot of the time, Matt. I don't Nobody's I don't know what that making means. abortion about science. Not, I have not even bring but abortion. Abortion is about science. You did. Abortion, the idea of when life begins, guess it's what? Science. Nobody it's knows. Science. You can believe no, it begins at conception. Right. You can begin no. it be- believes 40 days after See, Chris, the way the Jews do. This is the problem. You can believe in viability. There is no, an no, unknown just believe component in the science. to it. That's no, not what not. the science is each, behind each climate change. Life, Matt, if you, they're not each, the same thing.
2: The science of when okay, life g- begins is unquestionable, and the question on climate change oh, actually there's God. a great diversity on the science, and we ha- we do have political disagreements. But but I think it's wrong in this country when we call people who have a contrary position a liar, and that's what's dominating
4: the right, coverage. Anna. That's a fair that point. That is Anna. That's a fair point. That if you just you disagree you call someone a liar I agree with Matt disagreement doesn't mean somebody's lying somebody's telling the truth but that's also not the case with a lot of these issues especially when it comes to climate science
5: listen you know um, Matt is very able and we are now chasing this rabbit and talking about abortion and policy disagreements this is not about policy disagreements you don't call somebody a liar because they disagree with you on you know one policy issue or another it's about the three to five million illegal immigrants he lied about. It's about the crowds of the inaugural. He lied about it. It's about I mean, no coverage of North about...
4: Korea when it was being covered as he exactly. tweeted it. It's about the it, birther it's... thing. Yeah, there's a pattern here, Matt, and you know it. It's not that I people disagree with the... his heartfelt beliefs about abortion or let about me climate give you, science.
2: Let me give some on this, okay? I think it's a very fair criticism. I think your question, the poll said that people are dubious about some of the things they hear coming out of the White House. It's a big overwhelming number. I'll give you that's a. Nothing anybody who works in a White House wants to see. And I think some of the communications chaos that has come out of the White House House over the last six months that was front and center with the White House press briefing, I don't think that helped things. And I think the president and his team have to be awfully careful with how they characterize things because people are listening and people are watching. But I do think that we're in a big fight. We're in a big political fight in this country. There are divides. Anna and I are both Republicans. We have a strong disagreement on the Trump agenda. I'm totally for the President Trump and his agenda. I want it to pass. I think it's going to make America better. As we fight, let's have a fair fight on a dis- disagreement on the issues. I think President Obama was wrong on a lot of things. I think it was wrong for Loretta Lynch to use an alias in her email. I think that was duplicitous. Yeah, I just don't a lot see of that. things.
4: I, I just see the legitimacy of your premise nobody's coming at president trump because anna navarro of what he believes about abortion i don't even think we know for that's sure not right. what he does believe about listen, abortion listen, that's not or what are, it is listen, about climate people, science it's about you his just ability said to that. tell you, the truth about you you anything said that
2: the administration
5: no, was going so you're, to look, you're trying to make this segment anna, about something that it's completely not about no, you no, talk and talk and talk you just no, no. Want You've to tried to make it about abortion. President. You've tried to make it about science. That's not about what it is. It's about the fact that the President of the United States goes out and lies either by Twitter or in person daily. Last week he told us he had phone calls he did not have with people who did not call him on the phone, who he claimed told him things they did not tell him. That is a lie. Some of you may choose to believe alternate facts and live in an alternate universe. Some of I us don't. choose to believe and factual universe
2: let's just do this the one thing i would say is the following which is i think hold the president accountable hold the white house accountable i don't have any problem with that but let's be awfully careful when you throw around the word lie on all these positions that the president and the people who support give him us an taking. example of the because president being called a liar
4: do? where it's unfair matt
2: i watched i listened to cnn on the drive-in chris mm-hmm. and i heard you characterize those folks that are critics on climate change as lying about the science. And I think you should take that back. I don't think that's accurate. There's a great diversity of views from scientists, true climatologists, not just people with PhDs who are liberal professors across this country or people embedded in the bureaucracy, we ought to have a real discussion on these things. Yes, I'm not a scientist and neither are you, Man, just, but we ought to be careful with throwing away the term. It's just
4: misleading. I'll say it again. That's okay? the same thing and as a lie. I'll say that it again. The, no, that's a synonym. What you're saying, no, no, no. All well, right. Call it what you want. I, I see the definition of, of lying as being pretty, uh, pretty plain. A factual inaccuracy done with intention to deceive. Okay?
3: All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, love it. All righty. Welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. You're on the air. Yeah, this is Virginia
0: Sampson. And I am not not on this topic. I understand I'm scheduled to speak about uh, the topic of compassion in my book, Compassion Magic, this afternoon or this evening.
3: Okay. (laughs) Go right ahead. I mean, uh, give us a little bit of your bio. Uh, Tell us a um, a little bit about what you've been doing and why did you write the book? Go right ahead.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I was... uh, had some challenges in my life um, mm-hmm. that kind of led me rather to a bitter and angry place. And in, in hopes of escaping that, I had kind of started revisiting my life. And the short version is I discovered that I really, it wasn't the mistakes that had shaped my life as much as my attitude of lack of compassion for myself and for others. And when I started living that every day and more fully, I found that it transformed my life. Uh, and I escaped the bitterness and saw, uh, and just started enjoying my life again and my relationships and connections with other people. And so and, I wrote uh, about my experiences. Yes.
3: Okay. Now, I was going to say that, uh, and I was going to say that you've probably written about your experiences because you know that there's other people out there who probably went some of the sa- went through some of the same things that you're going through, and you want to help them out.
0: Absolutely. Yes. And I want to inspire, I hope my story will inspire people to practice mm-hmm. compassion and kindness mm-hmm. in everything they do and with everyone they meet. I think we need com- more compassion in this world. And I Me think too. a lot of it starts with being compassionate with ourselves, but also compassionate with other people. And yeah. Um, it, it heals. When you start being compassionate with yourself, it can heal you. And I think when you come from a place of healing, it's easier for you to be compassionate with others. So I think it's a, it's very circular. Uh, but you do have to start, I think, with uh, being compassionate with yourself, which is forgiving yourself, um, not judging yourself, not criticizing um you know those kinds of things but I think we live in a, a sometimes a negative culture and I think a lot of us are raised mm-hmm. to judge and criticize and measure ourselves against everybody else and I think that's the antithesis of compassion for yourself and for others and we why do you think so from
3: that. yeah why do you think so many people are unhappy
0: Oh, I think there's a myriad of reasons, but I think the biggest one for mm-hmm. us today is that we don't feel connected to other people. Mm-hmm. I think we feel very mm-hmm. alienated. I don't think we have communities mm-hmm. that nurture and support us, whether it's our business community, our neighborhood, our schools. I mean, connections are at the heart of our our need. We are by nature, and, and the social scientists have proven this, we are by nature social social creatures. And we do need, we evolved by having supportive, caring communities to nurture us. And I think we've Mm. really gotten away from that. And a lot of it, I think, is this kind of survival of the fittest, that everyone is our competition kind of attitude that somehow developed. And I think that's driving us apart. And that's, in my opinion, that's part of what's at the core of our unhappiness.
3: Yeah. Yeah, like you said before, there's many, many reasons to... Why people are but um you know but it's out there it's out there and you know i mean what would you say um there's probably a lot of other books out there that's talking about some of the same things that your book is talking about so how would you make your book stand out from the rest
0: well my book is about my personal journey of discovering compassion Mm -hmm. in my life and the healing that i found through this discovery of compassion so i hope in my book that some people find some part of their own journey you know i was a single mom i was victim of domestic Mm -hmm. violence i lost my husband to lose (coughs) Gehrig's disease you know i i had Mm -hmm. who hasn't had a difficult childhood so i hope Some people can relate to some part of that and see themselves in that. I think also part of connecting with other people, which again I think is at the base of some of our unhappiness, is that our need to be vulnerable. We all seem to think we have to project this perfect image, you know, I have it all together, I don't have any problems, I don't need any help. And, uh, you know, I haven't made mistakes. We're, I, I don't know why we do that, but I think when you start acknowledging to people that, yes, I've made mistakes, yes, I have problems, I think that helps other people open up with you about their problems and their mistakes. And then when you yeah. show your vulnerability, yeah. they're vulnerable back. And on that level, there's many levels on which you can connect being compassionate. but. Mm-hmm. You start connecting with the other person, and that's one of our deepest needs, I think, and one of our deepest sources of happiness is our connections with other people. And I so yeah, I, my book is yeah. about being vulnerable with the reader. Here's my story. I mean, I don't hold anything back. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Yeah. And, you know, what? what are, how do you feel? You be vulnerable back with people in your life. Read it with family members or friends and be vulnerable. Open up. Tell your story. Tell your hurts. Your fears,
3: and yeah. that will help us to connect. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think um, writing this book, uh, uh, people and um, readers. I mean, when they pick this book up, uh, they buy this, they read it. Uh, they they're really going to connect with you because you're being honest. You're laying your soul on the line. I mean, you've been through it. I mean, you know, and you're laying you're laying it all on the line. And you and through those words, people can feel you being honest. And I think that's one of the ways, being honest is one of the ways that you can probably connect with people, especially if they've gone through some of the same things you've gone through. And I've had uh, lots of people on the show who were victims of domestic violence. It's just something that just happens. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people can connect with you on that.
0: Right. And you don't have to be ashamed. I mean, it's such especially mm-hmm. this happened to me in the early 80s. So there was such a shame about it. Uh, and I think, you know, we need to overcome that and share our stories. I'm not saying, you know, we want to wallow in our in self-pity or, you know, oh, wow. That's, you know, the idea is to just to share your story, to get it out there, to mm-hmm. find something that yeah. you have in common with somebody else and connect whatever your trials and tribulations are in life. We've all had them. Let's yeah. share them, whether it's with your family, you know your neighbors, your coworkers. I mean, there's scientific evidence, and there's a whole science of compassion and happiness now that they're studying at yeah. Berkeley, Stanford, all over the country, all over the world, yeah. that says mm-hmm. that you know even for business, if you create a culture of compassionate business, you're actually going to earn more money. you're going to be more successful.
6: <laughs> it will enhance
0: your yeah. bottom line. it's if we're going to so. thrive, I would say if we're going to survive, we need to be compassionate.
3: Yeah, and positive.
0: Right, and yes, I agree. And I I think that's one element of it, but I think it's hard to be Mm -hmm. positive Mm -hmm. when you're beating yourself up or judging other people or criticizing other people. You know, that's not part of compassion. Compassion is just seeing somebody in need and helping them and honoring where they Mm -hmm. are without saying, oh, my gosh, why are you here? You could have done this. You could have done that. You should have. No, they're here. They need our help. What can I do to help you? is what
3: compassion
0: mm-hmm. is about, not judging why they're there or the decisions that they've made. Um, so uh, that's a big part of it.
3: Can you share some of your book with us, an excerpt?
0: Uh, yeah, I have a—I have a, an excerpt about, uh, this is about my chapter on love and death together. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. how long you want to see, so I'll try to edit it a little bit. But it starts out with uh, say,
3: a page or two. That's fine.
0: Okay, okay. To say we mm-hmm. fear the unknown is something of an understatement. Why do we have such fear of the unknown? Why do we re- we tend to torture ourselves with wild imagining of what lies ahead? Have you ever noticed that our anxiety or dread of a future event is almost always worse than the actual event? In my experience, the fear surrounding the end of a relationship is usually much worse than the reality after it ends. But I've discovered that there's one exception to that general rule, a relationship ended with de- ended by death. What's wrong with your arm, I asked Brian. He'd been moving his arm in circles and rubbing it for several minutes. It feels a little numb. I think it might be a pinched nerve. It'll probably go away on its own, but if it doesn't, I'll make an appointment with the doctor. A couple of weeks after Brian first complained about his arm, our son Gary was born. Brian was ecstatic. The family was ecstatic. We were all brought together. I'm kind of paraphrasing right now. We were all brought together by Mm -hmm. the birth of this. We We were a blended family. We were all brought together by the, by Gary's birth. Um, back to the book, we always we all had a common bond or connection, a baby that we all loved and adored. I pinched myself to see if I was awake. Life was so great, it had to be a dream. Samuel, Jessica, Ellen, Bridget, can you all please come into the family room? I yelled. Several different voices chimed in, asking why we wanted them. Uh, Right then, or if they could come in a few minutes. No, we need everyone here right now, I said firmly. I heard the Mm -hmm. sound of pounding feet, or maybe it was just the pounding of my heart as Brian and I waited for everyone to arrive. Brian was seated in the middle of the sectional sofa. Samuel sat down next to him. I don't remember where the girls sat. I was holding baby Gary in my arms. We were all looking at Brian, eagerly waiting for him to announce plans for our next family vacation. Uh, I'm going to die, Brian said. No one moved. No one made a sound. Even Gary was quiet in my arms. I have a terminal illness. There's no treatment or cure. Hmm. I don't know how long I have to live. Brian continued. Hmm. Samuel said Wow. About, so, um, and, and that's kind of, there's more, obviously, a lot more to it. But I'll stop right obviously, there. Obviously,
3: obviously. And I was going to say that's compelling. That's that's really good. I mean, I can see that the book is uh, straightforward, easy to read, easy to understand, and uh, easy to uh, for people to figure out or what you're trying to say and how you're trying to help them.
0: Thank you, George. Uh, yeah, it, <laughs> no uh, problem. The whole, the whole gist of that chapter was how do you live with that pain every day?
3: Yeah. You know, life, yeah.
0: Goes on, life went on for three years, and how do you live with that pain and not be angry and bitter about where you find yourself? You see everybody else how? around you, life is going yeah. on, and your life is, uh, you know, a miserable... I and that goes for other things, too, but life yeah. is miserable every day. And yeah. I think compassion turned that around for me. It was a long journey, but eventually compassion mm-hmm. healed that anger and business and turn- this, uh, pain and turned it around for me.
3: So far, how, how are people reacting to the book?
0: Uh, so far, everyone that I know of that's read it uh, mm-hmm. loves it. I mean, people get different things out of it depending on what their life yeah, experience exactly. is. But yeah, I think yeah. the I'm getting the feedback that the message of compassion is coming across and yeah. that it's. Some people have expressed it as eye-opening in terms of seeing compassion as a way to heal and a way to connect with other people. I mean, I do speaking, yeah. I do programs, and I find that when we start talking about compassion, talking about our experiences, it does bring us all together, and it is very yeah. empowering, very positive. I mean, it's it's a connection yeah. of, you know, compassion is a form of love. It's a connection of love that, that bonds us, that binds us together. And I think that my, my understanding from people I've talked about the book and the reviews I have on Amazon is people are feeling that, which is really what I wanted to do. I wanted—it's not that I'm some big important person whose life should be told. I want this story to inspire other. Oh, people I think to
3: you're a very important person.
0: <laughs> you're not, thank you, George. But <laughs> I want this story to inspire other people to find the magic of compassion yeah, in their own life.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the—that's the bottom line. To inspire other people and bring some compassion into their own lives as to, as to say what you've just said. And I think that's great. I think that's beautiful. Are you thinking about writing another book along the same lines or something different?
0: It might be something different. I have a children's series that I've written, so there'll mm-hmm. probably be more in that yeah. about um a child that becomes a superhero because he's compassionate and kind and thoughtful. Or a girl, it's Sam, so it's gonna be Sam or Samantha. So that's gonna be a series. I really haven't thought about much about writing. Sounds like a great idea. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I got tired of superheroes that hit and kick. I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the superheroes that are physically powerful, but I wanted us to reward somebody who shows, you know, character traits that we value kindness, compassion, thoughtfulness, thinking about others. Yeah. And yeah. so this little boy or little girl becomes a superhero, gets a costume, superhero costume, because he or she is all those things in his family. So that'll be more of a series. Um, okay. The other book, I don't know. I'm writing for Thrive Global, so I'm doing a lot of articles, but I haven't really thought a lot about a book. You know, I'm actually an attorney by trade, so that kind of keeps me helping seniors, so that kind of keeps me kind of busy. So. Um,
3: you know, but you know, it's a lot of attorneys out there are turning to – writing books and leaving, <laughs> and leaving law behind. What do you say about well, that? I actually, A lot like, of
0: I actually, yeah, I actually like what I do. I actually love helping the seniors. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. But you know, I've been doing it for 35 years. So, you know, it's getting okay. back to the time where I should probably wind it down, but, um, uh-huh. Yeah, there just isn't a lot of time to think about another book. You know, it's pretty intense writing a book. You have to really have a lot of time and energy for it. But I would like to write another one. It's a long way of saying it, but
3: I always tell now, people uh, when they're children. I always tell people when they're reluctant about writing a book. I always say, make it fun, make it and it, make it enjoyable, and it will be you will finish it a lot faster. It'll be done a lot quicker, and you'll be waiting around for your to write your next one. You know, make it fun, make it enjoyable. You know, yeah. Well, it's,
0: sure. true. Writing is fun. It, it sometimes it can be a little torturous as you're trying to put your feelings or your ideas into word on the paper. But into words on the paper. But yeah, I think it's great. It is great fun. It's very um, life changing. Whether you choose to yeah. publish it or not publish it, if it's just for your own enjoyment, it can really um, help you you know, heal and move on and express whatever's yeah. going on in your life, whether it's through a character or nonfiction mm-hmm. like mine is whatever moves you.
3: Yeah, yeah. Okay, tell us where we can go and find your book. Give us a web page or Amazon or books and sure. books. Sure. Well books, you can get it on Amazon books. and my Yeah, okay. my
0: webpage is Virginia Hunter, H U N T E mm-hmm. R Samson with a P dot com yeah. is my webpage and they're on there and more information about my speaking and my programs. Um, and it's also, they're also available on Amazon and I would love to hear feedback from people about compassion in their own life. Email me, tell me your story. Let's start a conversation. Uh, I love to hear people's stories. I love to, when people share their stories with me.
3: Yeah. All right. All right. Virginia, thank you for being on the show and, and lots thank of love.
0: Yeah. Thank you for the time. I really appreciate it.
3: No problem. Bye-bye. All right, the George Wilder Jr. Show is still on the air. Don't go anywhere. Hey there friends and fans, this is George Wilder Jr. of The George Wilder Jr. Show. <laughs> I want you to enjoy my fictional writings located on Amazon and elsewhere. Uh, the website is www.amazon.com slash author slash G. Wilder uh, or go to the Amazon website and type my name in the text bar above yeah, to either order or download a book, a story essays, novels, novelettes, whatever you want to do. And I want to thank you very much for that. And as always, good reading. This is George Wilder Jr. And keep listening.
6: There's always more to come.
3: All right. Thank you, everybody. Always. right? Okay. Summer is over. Summer is over. And that's one of the saddest things in my life, that's our lives. Summer is over, you know, it's been such a great summer. It's not officially over, but for the kids to be actually going back to school, at least in the city of Chicago, it's over, it's over. It's not officially, it's gonna be over, I think, uh, officially over by the calendar. I'm thinking September 22nd, something like that. Yeah, okay, all right, but it's over and it's been a great summer. 2017 has been a great summer in the city of Chicago, and I hope it's been uh, a great summer where you are. I know there's all kinds of uh, things that are not positive going on in the world. I know that fires and, you know, protest, people unhappy, and it's good to have someone on come on the show and try to uplift people, um, especially um, in... Texas, Houston, um, places where that were um, damaged um, brutally by this hurricane Harvey and some people are still at least some of the people are still uh, uh, cleaning up and, and and some people are, are at their homes. Uh, the water has receded. In some places the water is completely out of there it's gone. people are rushing back to their homes finding it finding so much damage and uh, you know I would think that those homes that were totally totally flooded from top to bottom uh with water and it's and there were thousands of them uh, I would think they would be you know not safe. To live in, I would think it was it would be not safe to live there, you know, because the, structurally it could cave in, fall in on someone, you know. Um, and it's it's sad to think that most of the people, 80% of the people, uh, did not or do not did not have flood insurance, so that's a total loss. Um, But I would probably tell people, um, be careful if you go back to your home, that it's probably not that stable after it's been, you know, uh, emerged in water. Uh, You know, I'm pretty sure that some of the officials around Texas are telling people that, that the foundation to, to some of the homes may be weakened there may be some structural damage, whereas this home just may collapse, and um, it's a sad thing to know that people lost their homes. I mean, uh, wow. I mean, I'm not talking about apartments. I'm not talking about buildings. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about homeowners. People have lost their homes. It's just It's just devastating. And as I've said on some previous shows, this could have happened to anyone, just about anyone. So we have to try to lend a hand to help people, you know, because this could happen to anybody. It doesn't matter who you are, how much money you have, how famous you are, or anything. When a hurricane hits, it takes no names. It doesn't care who you are. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, and speaking of hurricanes, there's another one that's burning, bearing down on the Caribbean, on the Caribbean islands. They're calling this Hurricane Irma, Hurricane Irma, and it's heading towards the Virgin Islands. It could hit some parts of Florida, Miami, Florida, maybe, or other parts of Florida, Uh, Puerto Rico. Cuba, so we we're we're not done with this um, hurricane crap. And from my understanding, I think some of the officials in Florida have already uh, contacted the White House for federal funds, even before this thing hits. So, so we could have another monster on our hands in terms of these hurricanes. And this is the Caribbean islands, Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, Florida, Cuba. You know, this, these people are in the eye of the hurricane. And my understanding that some people are evacuating Florida as I speak. So, wow. And in Chicago, they're saying that violence is down. Yeah, the police officers are giving us all kinds of numbers, statistics. They're saying violence is down. And I think about 20 people were shot this weekend and a few were killed. But the, the mayor and his superintendent and the police department tell us that crime is down. They give us the numbers that they want us to have, you know, <laughs> and uh, we are supposed to believe it because they're the police. And they tell no lies. <clears throat> of course, they're going to say crime is down in the city of Chicago when 15 people get, are shot every night. 40 people are shot every weekend. 60 people are shot during the holidays. And they come on uh, our television screens in our living rooms and say crime is down. As if we were dumb enough to believe it. You know, I mean, you you live in these violent crime areas, and people are shooting, 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 thugging, and robbing, and prostituting, and you're going to tell me crime is down? I, I don't believe it, and I will never believe it. The only way I'm going to believe that crime is down is when it actually is down, not uh, coming from a police department that is that has been under investigation, not coming from a police department where there's been plenty, plenty of brutality and lies, where uh, young African-Americans get shot 16 times. You know, so they're going to have to take, it's going to have to take a lot for me to believe that crime is down in the city of Chicago, the third largest city in in America. I, I believe this is soon to be the fourth or fifth largest city in America because people are leaving. People are leaving uh, Chicago and, and Illinois in droves. And once, they're, and once they have gone, they send for their children. Whether they're small children or whether they are adult children, people send for their kids. Get the hell out of Chicago. Get the hell out of Illinois. The taxes are too high. The politicians are corrupt. <laughs> Crime is... Uh, out of this world. The politicians, the representatives in the city of Chicago, they cannot protect their citizens. Get out of Chicago. And people are leaving. And I can't blame them. The taxes are just astronomical. Every time uh, some government agency wants to uh, balance its budget, they come to the taxpayer. And right now, we have this soda tax. It's in court. I mean, businesses are complaining left and right about this wrong-headed soda tax, and I think it is. It's supposed to be a tax on sweetened beverages. Sweetened. And and they give the excuse is that if if they put a tax on sweetened beverages, people are going to buy it less so we don't get diabetes, we don't get fat, we don't get uh, uh, cavities this is just a bunch of malarkey because the sweetened beverage tax is not just on shoulders. It's also on diet sodas. It's also on, uh, sodas that doesn't have sugar at all. So it's, it's more than just a, um, uh, a tax for obesity that's not true that's just a that's just politicians lying to you and when they lie to you blatantly in your face you know that it is straight up corruption so we have a soda tax but it's in then we have a property tax and then there was another uh, uh property tax on top of that property tax to pay for pensions and schools you know they could have passed a budget they could have passed um uh, uh, money for the schools without raising more taxes. I mean, uh, uh, Bruce Rauner campaigned on not raising taxes. And what did he do? He raised taxes and the taxes are on top of more taxes that Rahm Manuel uh, uh, raised on the taxpayers about a year and a half ago, 500 $188 million. We got more tax on top of that to pay for the schools, to pay for teachers, pensions, retirements of other people. And it's wrong. People are just leaving. I mean, you know, this is this is what makes Chicago. I'm not saying don't come to Chicago. Come to Chicago. It's a beautiful city. It's a beautiful town. It's a great place, regardless of what you might hear on the news. But still, the taxes are just astronomical, and the taxes makes it more expensive to live here you know and a lot of people can actually pay the taxes they can actually pay the high rent the high mortgages the the high condo costs. but what they cannot accept what they will not accept is the crime and they will not accept these the the police coming on television every every so often when somebody gets shot to say that crime is down that's bull crap. That's them trying to pull the wool over Chicagoans' eyes. That's crap. Let your son or daughter get shot walking down the street. Do you think crime is down? A lot of the crime that happens, it happens because police do not patrol in certain areas the way they should. Every time I look, every, and every time I hear, they're hiring police officers. For what? To stand around after the person has gotten shot to stand around after the crime has been committed where were you before the crime where were you to stop the crime why weren't you patrolling because i think if you're patrolling a certain area that you know to be a hot bit for crime if they see the police back and forth uh, walking the beach driving the beach crime will not be uh, committed in that community because of the police presence. A lot of the crime is because there's no police presence. And the only time you see police presence in a high crime area is after the fact, after the people have been shot. And the bad guy gets away. So I don't, I don't buy any of that. You know, I mean, you can't pull the wool over my eyes. There's a lot of people whom you can pull the wool over their eyes and be able to just take it and believe everything they hear that comes off their television screen. I tell my son all the time, do not believe everything you hear. Do not believe everything you read. Because these people are liars. If you try, you're gonna be in lots of trouble. If you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, we've been talking about the summer's over, violence in the city of Chicago, police shootings—they say are down. Uh, Hurricane Irma. Oh man. North Korea. I don't like to advocate violence on the show. I don't like. I don't like wars. I, I think they're pathetic. But North Korea has its hand on a hydrogen bomb. They are testing these missiles. They are just flaunting all of this weaponry in the face of the American people. And they've been doing it for a long time, launching these missiles that can hit uh, the American mainland, launching these missiles that can hit Uh, other countries and and annihilate people. I mean, and they're constantly doing it. They're constantly flaunting it. I believe when I heard this person say that North Korea, North Korea, they want a war. These people want a war. It's a rogue nation with a rogue leader. We have a rogue leader. It's a, it's a rogue nation. And I actually think that North Korea, I mean, you know, with their provo- with all of their provocation, North Korea should be blown off the earth. I mean, they, they're these people deserve it. If they're not blown off the earth, they're gonna blow someone else off the earth. You know, I, you know, they're gonna blow someone else away. So you have to go after them first, even some of some people in the uh, in 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 the administration has said m- much of that saying that this 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 country this rogue country north Korea, this rogue gas uh, leader uh, they are going to get annihilated if they threaten America. I think they should be I think. I'm not. I'm a peaceful guy. I mean, I'm here to try to make the world a better place. But these guys are are going to hit. Uh, they want war. They want war. They want to hit the United States with a with a bomb, with a nuclear bomb. And that cannot happen. You know, it cannot happen. This guy is a was it Kim Jong Un, whatever. He's a rogue leader. He's an awful leader. And he's going to be. You know, I mean, if you think about it, North Korea is a small country. It may be the size of California. Who knows? But at any rate, they're no match for the United States. It would be like an unfair fight if we went to war with them. But the United States, with smaller countries... So who knows what can, uh, uh, transpire, transpire. All right. My mouth is broke. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on blog talk ready. I want to thank my guest, Virginia. Um, and, uh, hopefully she'll be back on the show because I think she was very enlightening, um, to the guests, uh, to my audience and I like that because I love having people on the show who are about making the world a better place when there's other people out here so many other people out here trying to make the world awful an awful place All right, welcome to the George Wilder Dooney Show on Blog Talk Radio out of the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. Folks, we are in some trying times. We are in some dark times. We must fight for an America without hate. We must fight for an America without bigotry. We must fight for an America without racism. We must fight for our rights. We must fight to continue to be Americans. Some of those rights are being threatened, taken away. But we have to get out here and fight the good fight. You know, and it has to be done, folks. It has to be in a non-violent way. We know how to do things non-violently. So let's go out and make our voices heard, fighting non-violently.
6: I don't have expectations for him. Those of us who were in that church were trying to keep alive prophetic witness, the accent, love, and justice, humanity of all of us, no matter what sexual orientation, race, national identity, and, and what have you. The sad thing is we're dealing with the life and death of the American democratic experiment. And what I mean by that is the spiritual blackout, the eclipse of honesty and integrity, moral meltdown where there's no space for prophetic witness of love and justice. And it's not a matter of just a president. I have no expectations from Donald Trump. I've been a black man in America for 64 years. Donald Trump is not different. I've been dealing with white supremacists. I've been dealing with neo-fascists and so forth and so on. I can discern them. My concern is neo-fascism is a rule of big money, big military adventurism. Escalating wealth inequality, the collapse of public life, and the scapegoating of the most vulnerable, of immigrants and of Muslims and Arabs and Jews and black people and and gays and lesbians and bisexuals and trans folk. And so the the real challenge is the relative silence of those Americans who ought to be part of an anti-fascist coalition. We should have had thousands and thousands of folk. In Charlottesville, we should have had thousands and thousands bearing witness against the neo-fascists. They were they were emboldened. Yes, they've been emboldened by Donald Trump. They know he has neo-fascist sensibilities. The problem is, look at corporate America. They've been relatively silent. We just had two recent brothers break loose. Where is the anti-fascist, the anti-racist orientation of corporate? Where is the, the church? Where is the synagogue? Where are the mosques? Where are our fellow citizens who ought to occupy that prophetic space of love and justice and put a smile on the face of Martin Luther King Jr., Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel of Dorothy Day and Grace Lee Balls and Edward Zaid, all of those who said we must be honest and tell the truth about those who will use arbitrary power. But wealth inequality, xenophobia, and military adventurism in various parts of the world. The American empire can devour American democracy. It's only the people awakened who can do it. Donald Trump must not be fetishized. He doesn't have magical powers. He has too much power as the president, but he can be pushed out. And By pushed out, I mean impeachment, a variety, and the Republican Party can be rendered accountable for its silence. The Democratic Party has to deal with its relative silences in regard to some of the things brother Charles was talking about in regard to mass incarceration tied to Wall Street and so forth and so on that is that that's the kind of revival moral and spiritual revival that we need and that's my tradition as you know do you, brother anderson do, do that's you what th- william barber and the others are trying to talk about do you see that happening i mean do you see an event like this uh and, and what and it's not just
2: this event it's it's you know what we have seen so far in from this president and and what we are likely to see in the future uh, given the fact that he's 71 years old and unlikely to change
6: do you see that revival happening I absolutely see it happening. Sister Heather was standing right next to the 20 of us who were almost crushed like the cockroaches that the neo-Nazis view us to be. She, along with the anarchists, along with the anti-fascists, were protecting us. She is a freedom fighter. The memory of her sacrifice, the 19 who are in jail, that can generate a, an awakening, but it's got to be a moral and spiritual awakening. It can't just be revenge. It can't just be talking about power. It's got to be talking about what is right, what is moral, what is just, and what is morally consistent. That means it's going to be a critique of the establishment of both parties. It's going to be a critique of our churches, our mosques, our synagogues, our universities, all of those comfortable middle-class folk who remain spectators and don't want to intervene into the system, And most importantly, our young people are thirsty and they're hungry for precisely this kind of awakening. And I see, it in, I see it escalating and in that sense I see it as hope in motion. So I'm not, I'm not in any way uh, 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 disempowered by the neo-fascist uh, 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 sensibilities of Donald Trump. I've been seeing it all my life in, in a variety of different places. I'm more emboldened by the folk who are waking up and shattering the silence shattering the complacency, shattering the kind of distance and detachment from engagement and struggle around love and justice. And I don't care whether you're secular, agnostic, atheistic, Christian like myself, Muslim, Buddhist like bell hooks. We can go on and on. We can come together. We can make a difference. This is the moment for that. Dr. Cornell West, I appreciate you being with us. Thank you.
3: All right. Cornell West on the George Wilder Jr. More, head tonight. We'll have,
2: uh, more reaction to what the president said today, what it means oh, for this okay. White House, this country. And in case you missed it, we'll hear a large portion of Donald Trump in, in his own it, words. <laughs>
3: in case you missed it, he uh, ended the DACA program for over 800,000 dreamers. They call them dreamers. And... Um, he kicked the can down the road to uh, Congress, but this, but Donald Trump is going to own this. He's going to own this, you know. As I've said before, he uh, he's ended their protections after six months. If Congress doesn't do anything to try to save the program, um, they will be deported, and a lot of them are. Uh, I, I actually think, I actually think that Donald Trump is giving these Dreamers six months to get out of America. That or they will be deported. I mean, that's my thinking. I'm thinking, well, he's going to give them at least 6 months instead of because he knows Congress, the, his Republicans, they're not going to do anything. So, basically these people have 6 months to get out of America. There are some cities, sanctuary cities of course, that they are going to try to protect these kids because that's all they are. They're in school, high school, grammar school, some are in college probably. Um some are adults working in their own businesses. They were brought here illegally uh, by, their own, by, by their mother, their father, by adults. Of course, as, as I said before at the beginning of the show, they, they, brought, they were brought here through no fault of their own. But Trump is just using this. Trump is just using these kids. Trump is doing everything possible that he can to upend, to ruin, to dismantle Obama's legacy. Obama is the one who initiated this program way back in 2012. And Trump, from the first day that Trump uh, took the office of president, he started dismantling things that Obama has done through executive order. You know, I mean, I mean, when you give an executive order, it's like, you know, an executive order can be done in a heartbeat by the next president. But some things should probably stay in place. You know, these kids, they've done nothing. They've done nothing to nobody. It's not their fault. They don't even know Mexico. <laughs> they've never been there. They don't know anything about it. Only thing they know about Mexico is that it's Mexico. There's the name, you know. And uh, there's no doubt about it. Once these kids start being uh, deported and they will be, I mean, this is Donald Trump. This is, these are Republicans. So it's inevitable that these folks will be these kids, these dreamers, they will be deported uh, uh, in six months. Some may be even before then. So my thinking is that that Donald Trump just gave the dreamer, the dreamers and other illegals in this country, uh, Uh, six months to get the hell out, period. That's what it is. He gave them six months to get the hell out because the Republicans aren't going to do anything to try to save this program. I'm talking about the House of Representatives. I'm talking about the Senate, which uh, Trump has given this to. uh, They're not going to do anything about it. You know, so this is just giving these people six months to get out of this country. And even if some of the uh, cities, sanctuary cities and some of the mayors and some of the Democrats, they're they're heartfelt for these kids. You know, they can be heartfelt all they want, but it's the law. This is and it's books. Uh This law was on the books uh, long before Donald Trump took office. But, you know, you, you got to have some sort of compassion for people. And I do think. If this goes down, I'm going to say if, but somehow I got a feeling that it will. uh, They will be deported. Congress will not do anything to try to save this program. And we know that Trump uh, ended this program and then threw it over to Congress, the Republican Congress, who has no balls, they are not going to save this program. So the dreamers they know that they're out. Right now, there are so many protests and rallies going on around the country. It's mind-boggling. The dreamers are out there. I mean, they can rally and say what they want to say and be emotional and tell their stories. The Republicans are not compassionate. They have no feelings. They do not care So you're rallying and and you're crying and you're feeling awful that America has let you down. America did not let you down. The Trump and his Republicans let you down. The rest of us did not do that. I hope the dreamers think that way because Trump has a bad reputation all over the world. You know, and he's going to screw people. Trump is throwing a bone to his base. That's what he's doing. He's throwing a bone to his base. He's also throwing a bone to the Republicans. You know, he knows they're not going to do anything with this. He knows it and they know it. This is uh, 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 shenanigans going on within both both parties, within both parties. Trying to fool and and uh, hoodwink the American people. Trump said he loved Trump said he loves the Dreamers. He, actually, he didn't say that. He just said he loved those people. He couldn't bring himself to say Dreamers. He said he loved those people. He doesn't love those people. If he'd have loved those people, he wouldn't have. Uh, uh, he wouldn't have actually in the program. He doesn't care about people. Period. Trump only cares about one thing: himself, and we all know that it's himself. He does. I mean, he went to he went to Texas, um, kissing babies and handing out food and water. That wasn't Trump. He didn't like it. Someone told him in his administration that that's what presidents do. So he he went there. But if it was up to Trump, he probably said, "The hell with them folks." You know, they don't have their homes, they, they water, logged and all of this stuff, to hell with them. You know, but, um, yeah, this is it. I, I really don't want to be a wet rag, but this is probably it for those 800,000-so uh, dreamers in this country. Unless something, I don't know. Powerful happens. This is probably it. I mean, the Republicans aren't going to do anything. I mean, because they don't care. I mean, you've got Republicans right now on cable talking on some of these cable news shows saying that they should go. They should go. This is what they're saying. They have no, they have no compassion as, as Virginia was saying earlier. They have none and they don't give a damn about finding compassion. They just want these kids out of the country. Period. Someone said, well, the Republicans are trying to make America white again. But sometimes white America forgets that they were not the first one here. It was the Native Americans that were here first. The white man came along and took it (laughs) and robbed them of this land. You know, they forget that, you know, so but they think, I don't know, they think this is a land of white folks, they want to get rid of everybody who's not white, which is not true, which is um, basically uh, is what most people think, that uh, they want to make America white, they want to get everybody, get rid of everybody who doesn't look like them. So, you know, forgetting that the white man took this country from the Indians, Now he he wants to take it from everybody of color. And that's wrong. That is totally wrong. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Follow me right here on Blog Talk Radio. Follow me on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm all over the place. It's great to be back on the radio after four or five days off. I hope you guys have been listening to the podcast or the reruns, if you can call them that, while we were gone. Because they're just as good. I mean, every show that I do is is a magnificent show. I try to put my best uh, into it you know sometimes sometimes it's funny sometimes like yeah i'll come on the show i'll do the show and i'm feeling down i'm feeling i'm feeling kind of depressed maybe you know every day i come on the show i'm not always feeling 100% great even if i may sound like i'm feeling 100% great i think some of my best shows are some of the shows that when i was not feeling so great you know i mean everybody's got their best show you know your best show of the George Wilder Jr. show may not be my best show. And my best show that I think, wow, I gave a great show. I may have given a great show. You may not thought it was, you may not thought it was a great show. So, you know, it, it's, it's up and down. But I'm glad to be back on the show today. I'm glad to, uh, to start off uh, September with an up note, especially my guest. And uh, she was talking passion and positivity. Sharing her story, and uh, he is, she is an attorney. She's an attorney, and I uh, hope to have her back on the show because I love people who uh, have that positive vibe and give something back, especially through their own experiences. There's nothing like that. And uh, follow me on Facebook, follow me right here. I, didn't I just say that? Well, anyway, follow me on Facebook, follow me right here on the George Waldo Jr. Show. We just got, we just under. A little bit under three minutes left into the show, but we will be here Friday. I mean, not not Friday, but we'll be here uh, tomorrow and uh, Thursday. My show is on uh, four days a week, 6 o'clock p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Chicago time, Central Standard Time. And uh, it's a great show. And I've been doing it for for a long time, and I've been really getting some enjoyment out of doing it, and I am keep doing it. And I want to say to everybody, be nice to be nice, be nice. There's nothing wrong with being nice. Uh, Be nice to one another. Okay. Be nice to one another out there.
1: Bombs begin to fall. Never saw. Never mm-hmm. help the black man if he struggles one more day. Never help the white man if he turns back away. Never help the man who kicks the man who's a crawl. Never i yeah. the
3: is valuable and I try not to waste it. But anyway, uh, join me tomorrow. We're going to have another great show, another great guest. Goodbye, everybody. Have a safe evening. Bye-bye.